the tour gets canceled, you know, and the first week month of the tour gets canceled. They're like, right, we're yeah. postponing the tour to May. And I'm like, May, we got to wait all the way to May. Oh my God. <laughs> and now, now, you know, here we are almost a year later and we haven't done a sh one, one show in all that time, you know, 175 shows are canceled. And that's how, as a family, we earn our livings through performing live. And so, um, suddenly I became an unemployed artist and I was like, how am I going to keep the lights on? Mm. And, but more than just keeping the lights on physically, you know, paying the light bill, but how do I keep the lights in, on in my heart as we're going through quarantine, mm. as we're going through all the stress, the worry, the concerns about our health, about what's happening in the world. And, you know, we had our moment, my wife at Sara and I, where we just kind of like, you know, huddled together and broke down and cried for a second. And then we were like, all right, well, let's let's figure out a way to get through this and right. let's let's go for it. You are listening to the Real Leaders Podcast, where leaders keep it real. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and that chain of events comes from world-renowned artist Michael Franti, who inspires us all to keep the lights on. In today's episode, Franti shares his unconventional path to becoming a musician, the importance of connecting personally with your audience, and that we should all try to reach our growing edge. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the real Michael Franti. Enjoy. The Real Leaders Podcast. Just click that link. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and let us know what you think of this episode. But with that being said, folks, let's, let's get this show on the road here. Here we go. In five, four, three, two, and one. And welcome, everyone, to this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today is a man of many talents, Mr. Michael Franti. Michael, thanks for being with us today. Uh, thanks. It's awesome to be here with you, Kevin. And everybody who's tuning and listening right now, welcome. And uh, for all of you who are watching in real time, if you got questions, you know, fire away. And we'll, Kevin and I will go back and forth uh, just talking and maybe answering a few of your questions on the spot. So thanks for being here. You know, Michael, I've never picked up an instrument, but I know how to riff on the podcast. There's no doubt about that. Okay. <laughs> so let's 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 talk right. real quick. So a man of many talents, you're a musician, you're a filmmaker. Uh, you, I know you're a basketball player. You played at USF. I mean, w when you were a child growing yeah. up, what were you most interested in? I was most interested in sports, to be honest. Mm. Um, I grew up in a very musical family. My um, all my brothers and sisters played instruments and my mom played organ in the church and uh, I didn't play any instruments and, and uh, I wanted to be a professional basketball player. I was obsessed with it. But uh, at a certain point, I realized that part of my obsession with basketball was just to um, be away from my family life, which was kind of difficult. And being out on the court just gave me a way to be away from the house, but it also gave me a way hmm. to do something that I felt um, like I could do, like I could excel at. And so when I got to the University of San Francisco and was playing there, my dorm room was right above the campus radio station. And I used to listen to the music that was coming out of there. And one hour would be punk rock hour, then reggae hour, then hip hop hour, and then something else. And at six o'clock, it, it became Chinese news every day. Um, and, and so I started becoming 
obsessed with sharing what my beliefs were, what my what was in my heart through music. And uh, eventually I found myself to the Haight-Ashbury District in San Francisco and uh, started hanging out with a lot of musicians and artists and creative people. And that became my first entry into music. So, Michael, how old were you then when you first picked up an instrument? I was mm, 18. 18. Was when I first started playing an instrument and it was just a piece of metal that I was banging on. Because yeah. my first group, the Beatniks, we just used pieces of metal in a junkyard and we'd bang on it. And then we'd, you know, kind of like Blue Man Group style sure. uh, percussion, but before Blue Man Group was around. And, um, and then we'd just do our, our poetry on top of it. And that was the, were the first performances. And then I started taking those sounds and sampling them and making drum beats out of them using samplers and electronic instruments. And then it wasn't until around 2000 that I actually started playing uh, the acoustic guitar. And that became my really instrument of choice. And the reason I love the acoustic guitar is because I always wanted to have an instrument that I could play uh, it, in a stadium in front of, you know, 20,000 people or play on a street corner for 10 people or just play it for myself alone in my, in my bedroom. And the guitar is the most portable of instruments that you can still sing along with. Like you can play a flute, but it's really hard to sing and play a flute at the same time. So guitar is a good one to, to carry with you and to be able to share with people. It's uh, you know, a lot of amazing and talented musicians, I feel like kind of go through a similar unconventional route like that. Like, were you self-taught? Like, how did you learn to play and sing so well? Well, you know, I went on this um, trip to Cuba in 1997 and there was about 25 American and European artists and we were collaborating with 25 Cuban artists. And at night they would have a guitar and everybody would be sitting like at a picnic table out doors and smoking Cuban cigars and drinking Cuban rum and, and passing the bottle and passing a guitar around in a circle. And there'd be like Mick Fleetwood would be there and Gladys Knight was there and the Indigo Girls and Peter Fram. All these amazing artists were there and all these incredible Cuban artists. And they were singing these wonderful boleros off into the Spanish, you know, moonlight, you know, and, um, and they passed the guitar to me and I didn't know how to play it. So I just flipped it over on the back and I started playing like a beat like and sort of rapping to it, you know, and, and, and it, it just didn't come off because there's something about the thing of, of like chords and voice together that makes this magic. And even if you don't understand the words, um, it, the language of the words, you understand like the feeling of the melody. And so I, I thought, man, I, I got to learn a guitar. And so, went home and I bought a guitar and I put it in the corner of my bedroom, leaned it against the wall and it sat there for like three years. <laughs> I didn't play it. I was always like, there's that guitar. It's calling my name. I got to get to it. And I took one guitar lesson and the guitar teacher was like, all right, here's the lesson next week. I want you to practice, come back and show me what you learn. And so I come back the next week and I hadn't practiced once. And so he's like, look, man, if you're not going to practice, it ain't going to work. So I go, oh, I'll practice next week. I'll see you next week. And then, the, you know, the, the, the lesson was on a Tuesday or something, Monday, and I had a call. I was like, bro, I didn't practice. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I knew that that method wasn't going to work for me. So finally, 
I bought a CD-ROM. I mean, this tells you when it was this is before like DVDs. I bought a CD-ROM, and it was called How to Play Guitar, and I could put it on whenever I wanted to practice, which should be like three, four in the morning. I put this CD-ROM on it, and just be like, here's a G chord. And then you go to a D chord, you know, and I could see the fingering of the interesting. And I just go back and forth, and and I found that when it was when I wanted to play, um, having that ability to um, have the teacher be there when I was ready to take it in was, was the key for me. And and it's it's so great now. Like if you want to learn guitar, you just go on YouTube and you're like, you know, teach me the new One Direction song. Teach me to play Beethoven. Teach me to play whatever. And you can learn anything on guitar on YouTube now. And so it's it's a different time that we're in. But um, it took me a while to, to get my hand around it. And then even still, like, it wasn't natural for me. Music has never been, like, a natural thing for me. Mm. Um, speaking what's in my heart and being, um, uh, you know, really focused on what I have to say, what's breaking my heart or what's making me feel really, um, you know, empowered or want to celebrate in life. Those things are, are easier for me to share, but the actual physical practice of, of doing it never is coming easy for me. Hmm. Now you, you also said beforehand, like basketball was kind of an escape and that's why maybe you got good at that. You liked that was, was music an escape. And if it was like, like what were you running from? Well, Music is both something that has brought me into my heart more, and it's something that's also made me, allowed me to escape from things. Mm. And what I mean by that is that when I write songs, I always write from what breaks my heart. But the actual practice of being a traveling, working musician, it brings you away from your family. It brings you away from, you know, the the real world, quote unquote, things that you've got to deal with every day because every night you're in a different city and different town and you're going from place to place and you go on stage and, and play and then you come off stage and, 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 and you're there with in the middle of the night with whatever you didn't deal with from the day before emotionally. And so I feel like my journey as an artist over the 30 plus years that I've done it has been to um, not just run away from what it is that I'm feeling, the, you know, the pain of the youth that I grew up in um, or things that I've experienced as an adult, but to really use music as a catharsis and as a way to write, to heal, and then in hopes that it would touch other people in the way that those emotions hit for me when I felt them. You know, example for that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. If you, if you don't mind. Um, like, for example, recently... We were trying to, you know, the pandemic hit. We were here in Bali at Soulshine. We were leading a yoga retreat. We were supposed to go out on tour mm. um, on April 15th. The first show was at Dallas Cowboys Stadium, opening for Kenny Chesney. We're doing this massive tour. And it gets, the tour gets canceled, you know. And the first week, month of the tour gets canceled. They're like, right, we're yeah. postponing the tour to May. And I'm like, May? We got to wait all the way to May? Oh, my God. <laughs> and now, now. You know, here we are almost a year later and we haven't done a sh one, one show in all that time. You know, 175 shows are canceled. And that's how, as a family, we earn our living is through per performing live. And so um, suddenly I became an unemployed 
artist. And I was like, how am I going to keep the lights on? Mm. And, but more than just keeping the lights on physically, you know, paying the light bill, but how do I keep the lights in a, on in my heart as we're going through quarantine, mm. as we're going through all the stress, the worry, the concerns about our health, about what's happening in the world. And, you know, we had our moment, my wife at Sara and I, where we just kind of like, you know, huddled together and broke down and cried for a second. And then we were like, all right, well, let's, let's figure out a way to get through this and right. let's, Let's go for it. And so I wrote this song that was about that. And so the way I write songs is I, I just come up with a melody and some chords. So I started just playing a few chords. So I thought that sounded kind of like a nice little melody. So then I put words to it. So. I'm trying to keep the lights on. I'm trying to keep the lights on. I'm trying to keep the lights on. The days get darker, the nights get long, and I just keep waking up to the same old song. And that same voice in my head is always running around. Whoa, now the clock tick tock and the whole world stops, but the bills I got, they just keep on piling up, trying to keep up, keeping up, but it's kind of getting me down. See, I'm just one in seven billion, trying to keep the lights on, trying to keep the lights on, I'm trying to keep the lights on, I'm trying to keep the lights on. Well, you and me are the same, you see. We got big, big plans, big, big dreams, and I'm never gonna let the world ever take them away. Whoa, now you and me and the whole family, we're gonna fill our bus with the love we got in us. Pull it out of the driveway and fly it away. See, I'm just one in seven billion, trying to keep the lights on, trying to keep the lights on, trying to keep the lights on. Trying to keep the and in the bridge of the song, I try to solve the problem. Whoa, my heart is heavy, but whoa, I'm in heaven. Like whoa, my heart is heavy, but whoa, I'm in heaven with you. I'm trying to keep the lights on. I'm trying to keep the lights on. I'm trying to keep the lights on. Keep the lights on. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I'm glad you picked up that guitar in your bedroom that was in the uh, corner for three years. <laughs> Thanks, bro. You know, it, I, just listening to those lyrics, I feel like, you know, you speak for so many people that are thinking those things, having those conversations, you know, going through hard times. Like, do you feel like with a platform like that, like, do you ever feel like obligated to like express those things or is it, is it more of like a release valve to like get that just out of you? It's a release valve, but I do feel, um, a responsibility 
And that responsibility doesn't come from being a musician. It just comes from being a human being that um, I really have always felt. It's just the way that I was raised that um, you should try to get to your growing age every day. And this is something that my parents mm. both encouraged. It's like, get to your growing edge, try to figure out a way that you can be better. Like if you, if you're a basketball player, learn to dribble with your left hand. If you're you know, a musician, try to find different chords that you can use to express yourself. If you're running a business, find ways that you can excel and take your business to a new place and continue to grow. Um, and then secondly, take the talents that you have that you were either born with or that you've earned and developed in your life and use them to serve the greater good in some way. And that again came from my family and, you know, for my, my parents, they were both teachers. And so they were, they were doing that every day with the students that they taught, but they also felt the need to adopt myself and another son. So they had three kids of their own and then they adopted myself and another son. And uh, one time I asked my mom, this is, this is years after I had already had my, first child of my own. And I said, you know, mom, why is it that you, you know, you guys had three kids, you were, and, and you were still in college when you adopted me. Like there were three kids. My mom was working on both my mom and dad were working on their master's degree. They, they were living in married student housing They had three kids wow. and they adopted me. And I'm like, who the fuck does that? Yeah, I mean, seriously. What, what were you thinking, mom? Come on. Like, uh, it was be really hard for me to imagine doing that. And my mom said that someone came to church and told her that there was 190,000 children in America in need of permanent homes to adoption. And she just thought to herself that there should be no child who ever um, goes to bed wondering where they were going to sleep the next night. Mm. And that every child should be able to go to bed and and wake up in in the same bed for their whole childhood and so she went home and she talked to my dad i mean we kind of make you tear up when i think about it right now she went home and talked to my dad said look we've already got three kids and i got this great idea we're in married student housing why don't we adopt another one you know um and for whatever reason she was able to um you know convince my dad and and um and so i feel really you know just blessed and lucky. Um, and I later met my biological parents and my, my birth mother's Irish, German, and Belgian. My birth father's African-American and Nottoway Indian from the mountains of Virginia. Hmm. And because I was this brown baby, my mom thought that her family or her father specifically was so racist that he would never accept a brown child. And so, um, she gave me up and, um, and so that's, that's, you know, one of the pains of my life is just, I, I grew up in a house where, um, even though I was adopted and they did their best loving, my father who raised me was also an alcoholic for most of that time. And, uh, until my, until my very final months of high school when he stopped drinking. Um, so it wasn't really like an easy childhood to grow up in, in the house I was in, I felt very different and I always felt like abandoned as a person and. So part of my mission in music has been to create community. I mean, that's that's why I feel so strongly about that is because I believe that um, everyone should feel that they belong. Everyone should feel that there is a place for them in our society, in our families, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our businesses. And 
and that community sense is is really why I gravitated to to music and now into into running a hotel. It's powerful, Michael. Thank you for sharing that a, a sense of belonging. It seems like that's kind of what you know th- those influences did to you. You know, you, a, a need for that, an urge for that through your music as well. Now, speaking of other influences. Mm-hmm. Are there any artists out there that you listen to that influence the way that you play? Um, you know, I love pop music and it might sound silly, but there's not a song that I listen to on the radio that I don't find something cool in. And mm-hmm. it could be from any artist. It could be from, you know, Michael Friday and Spearhead or, or Britney Spears, you know, because it really doesn't matter. And I love every, I don't, listen to genres of music i love songs so it could be a great song by johnny cash could be a great song by run dmc could be a great song by bob marley but the one thing that has always resonated with me is storytelling and music and Mm -hmm. the ability for someone to tell a story that you can also dance to is is really it's not easy to do and when i hear those stories you know uh like like an artist like Bob Marley who's able to do that so well, or Johnny Cash who's able to do that so well, John Lennon who's able to do that so well. Those kinds of songs they they really um, they really live with me, and they become part of who I am. In that I I listen to music as medicine. It's like I wake up in the I'm pissed off. It's like I get in my car, I turn up Rage Against the Machine, really laughing, and I drive down the street, just cranking my Rage Against the Machine and, and hoping that it's going to get me through feeling that whatever funk I'm in. And Kevin um, um, Giacomo, is that his last name? Yeah. Um, asked, um, if my house is filled with music, but I gravitated towards sports um, and ended up focusing on music, why do I think that was? And the reason is... Because um, for me, sports was uh, this this way of getting away from my house and way of escaping. I was a tall kid, so there was all this expectations like you're going to be a basketball player. And so in, in some ways, I found like this sense of purpose there. Like, man, uh, um, I, I can excel at this and I'm, I'm, I have some talent toward this. And, and I, I was kind of an awkward, gangly kid, but it was something that I could work at really hard. And, and um, it taught me discipline and it taught me hard work, things that I later applied to everything else that I do in my life. But the thing about it for me was that I never felt like I could express what was in my heart on the basketball court. There wasn't like a lot of room for really saying what I felt. And so when I discovered punk rock in my final years of high school and then later into college, I, I felt this spirit there, this DIY attitude that, that you can just pick up a guitar, or pick up whatever instrument, and through three chords, you could say what was in your heart, you know. And then through hip hop, I felt the same thing, you know, just turntables and rapping over instrumentals of other records that I could that I could say what was on my mind and what was in my heart. And, and I found music also as a kid when i was going through challenging times i just put my headphones on my parents would be arguing in the next room and my dad was drunk i'd like listen to music and it would take me to other places and i would hear people expressing song expressing emotions and songs that i was like 
wow, did that, was that person like in my mind, <laughs> you know, like I really feel what they were feeling in the song, or at least what, what the way that it, it hit me, um, they sounded like they understood me. And so that's why I gravitated towards music. It was that, um, expression of, of, of emotion. And you're able to articulate that emotion very well. You know, kind of what you're saying with like the storytelling aspect. And then, you know, I, I did have a, I have a story for you just because you're kind of, sure. it just reminded me of, uh, of, well, it's Black History Month and we kind of shared something on our team call the other day about Robert Johnson. I don't know if you know who Robert Johnson is, but, uh, you know, famous blues player um, from Clarksdale, Mississippi. And kind of the story goes, legend has it, you know, he didn't really have the best guitar skills and then disappears for a year comes back and is just playing like no one's ever like better than his mentors. No one's yeah. ever heard music like this before. And it's influenced people like Jimi Hendrix, other people like that. But the thing is, Michael, what I think separates from you from Jimi Hendrix or from uh, Robert Johnson is Robert Johnson story. Legend has it that he sold his soul to the devil. Whereas yeah. you have gone without sponsors. You've had to gone without trying to be somebody else that a lot of artists fall into how did you do something like that? How do you not sell your soul to the devil and, like you say, stay human? Well, I mean, there's 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 always ways that you create partnerships. It doesn't matter what you do. So, you know, my partnership that we have is, is with our audience mainly, you know. And the great thing about inter- the internet and music is that for during the first years when I was selling records, you, you actually had to make this physical thing. You had to put it in a store. People had to hear about it either through the radio or through some other thing. And then they go have to go to the store and purchase the record to get the music. And um, when we started touring as a band, as the record industry was declining because of downloads, we reached out to our audience and said, please tape our concerts and then go share them with all your friends. Mm. And so we would even allow, uh, we create a space for um, tapers at our shows. We'd let them plug into the feed out of the mixing desk. And then they took our, our music and, um, and shared it online. And that's how our, our, our fan base actually grew. When, when record sales were declining, our fan base grew. And, you know, the same thing has gone on during this time of the pandemic. It's like we can't tour. So we moved everything online. I started doing more things online than I ever had before. Concerts, cameo um, videos for people, um, creating more co- content than we have. We're creating more music videos than we ever have for any album ever um, that I've ever made. And try to just find ways to engage with the fans and create community around it. And... And so um, that's it. And then we do we do do partnerships with with some brands that we feel are are in alignment with what we um, believe in. And I and I license our songs into films and stuff like that. And that's you know unexpected income for us as a as a as an organization that that is just on the top of whatever else we can do. But the main thing is that we we believe in this connection with our fans. And mm. ever since I started in music, I was a doorman at a nightclub and um, in the early years. And I noticed that the bands who were invited back each year were the bands that took the time 
to say hello to me, the random doorman, as right. I'd be helping push their gear in. They'd be like, hey, what's up? Hey, what's your name? You know, Thanks for helping with the pushing our gear. It, it was like, it was more than a coincidence that those bands were the ones that came back year after year. Or, and I would see occasionally they would spend time outside their tour bus and sign a few autographs and say hello to fans or whatever. And so when I started in music, I made a commitment that after every show, I was going to walk off the stage and talk to as many fans were there until mm-hmm. we either got kicked out of the venue or they all had, they, they all were spoken to. Mm-hmm. And so in the years that I've been in music for three decades, that's how I end every show is by walking off the stage and talking to fans. And, and um, that connection that we have is really super um, uh, meaningful. And a lot of the songs that I write come from, not, not from the stories of other people, but they come from when I when I identify with other people, like like the song "Trying to Keep the Lights On." It, you know, I I was just talking to fans who were like, "Yo, we're just trying to figure out our way to get through the pandemic." And you know, I lost my job, and we're, you know, this this person's you know really down and feeling bummed out. And how do we hold on to this optimism during this time? And and so um, the the connection that we have also feeds into the way that I. Um, write songs and and what i feel because i i do write songs from what breaks my heart but i don't write them for me i write them for my audience right and and so i'm always trying to think of um you know what is the best way to reach out and and when when i was off the camera i heard you talking about you know the different genres that i've dabbled in in music and i i just think when i write a song i don't think like is it a genre, a certain genre of music. I think, does this, did these words and is this emotion, is it best served by just the acoustic guitar? Is it served by like using an orchestra or is it served by doing an electronic music um, concert, uh, electronic music bed that will heighten that emotion? So I'm always just trying to think like a painter, like what palette am I going to use for this? Yeah, I mean, truly an artist. And it's something that, fascinates fascinates me is that you're able to connect with people around the world you know not just in you know berkeley california you know like walk me through kind of like your activism route like i was listening to a song today i think it was like hold your light up and you're you're really going into detail about what happens to these young kids when they get you know finessed by basically these militia armies. And I'm like, how does he know? Like, you know, so you had to be on the ground there to learn that, like tell our audience, you know, your, your passion for activism, as well as, you know, what you've learned from doing things like this. Well, um, my wife and I, we have the, uh, uh, family motto and it's inside of our wedding rings and it's be your best, serve the greater good and rock out wherever you are. And so, kind of talked about it before about reaching your growing edge that's how you find yourself to be your best like all your best is always trying to reach your growing edge and then um applying those talents to serve the greater good and then the final thing is that spirit of life like rock out wherever you are like find enthusiasm find the joy in whatever it is that you're doing and approach things by saying um, not, not by saying, oh, I have to do this, but I get to do this today. You know, I get to show up for my um, staff here at the hotel and have a meeting with them. And I get to, um, you know, get dirty in the rice fields today. And I get to do, you know, there's all these things that we have that are that add to our life. 
And in terms of activism, I feel like it's it's something that is should be a part of every single person on this um, planet's life. Um, we all have this planet that we're living on that we share together. And I don't want to be someone who looks back in the future and says, you know, we were too cheap to fix the wor- world or we are too lazy to fix the world. We are too um, selfish not to look out for the needs of other people who w- were oppressed at the time when we were alive. Like, we don't want to look back and, and say that to to future generations. Yet the way that we're going, we're going to have to say all those things unless all of us take it upon ourselves to be um, people that show up for um, those concerns. And so one of the things that we can all do is try to find ways that we can plug in and donate some of our time or donate some of our resources to it. You know, one hour every two weeks or one hour a month, you know, focus on something um, that it is that you can have uh, influence on and then find other people in the world or in your life that are focusing on other issues that you're concerned about and do something to highlight their work, mm. you know, whether it's through sharing social media posts or whether it's through, um, you know, just kind of telling a friend, Hey, there's somebody else who's doing something great. I think you might be interested in this. And that's, that's what I try to do. And the great thing about songs is that I'm able to express not just specifically about specific things that are going on, but I'm able to, to share values And I think that's the most important thing, like our new album, Work Hard and Be Nice. It's about an expression of values. I want people, no matter what your political party is, no matter what your walk of life, to wake up every day and go, how can I work hard to be my best and to serve the planet through being my best? And then how can I just not trample other people on the way? (laughs) How can I just be kind to other people? And if we do that, I just feel like, um, that this world could be, uh, you know, changed incrementally. And, and one of the things that I've learned is that when we go so far to some extreme, it's like we, it's like a rubber band. You pull it so tight that when you can't hold on to it anymore, you end up snapping further back the other way. Mm. than if you just take small steps to become better each day and, um, so, for example, you know, veganism, I've, I've been somebody who believes in um, that we shouldn't be destroying forests in order to raise cattle to feed human beings meat that it eventually hurts their own bodies. Um, and and if one or zero point one percent of us become, you know, 100 percent to the, you know, shoe to the belt vegan, um then we're only getting this, we're only accomplishing this much in terms of the effect it has in the world. But if we could get every single person in the world to reduce their meat intake by one day, that would be one seventh of the amount of meat that was being used. That would be one seventh of the amount of, of force that would be needed. And then eventually people could find out that this worked for them. And then they they, um, they go two days and they go three days or four days. And they finally, they find out may, maybe they're living the majority of their life without eating meat and the impact that that has. So um, it's it, that, that's just the way that I'm, and that's just an example of one thing. But I feel that way in, in every 
uh, regard to every issue. You know, for example, you know, also climate change. We need the wisdom of indigenous people. We need the the creativity of entrepreneurs and the, you know, just the balls of entrepreneurs to try new things. We need the cooperation of governments. We need the spending power of everyday people and the common sense of everyday people. We need all of those, the best that science has to offer um, in order to tackle this issue. And so all of us have a role to play in each of these issues that we see out there. I love that. You know, it's like sometimes those problems are just so complex. I feel like, you know, you can't do anything. But I think what you're saying is like those small incremental changes really do build up and build on top of each other. It's just powerful advice. Now, Michael, we've talked about a lot today. Uh, you've get, you've shared wisdom. You've shared your story. You've gone deep. Uh, you've gone wide. You've gone off the show and you've come back on the show. Uh, so, <laughs> I went into outer space. Man. That's right. That's right. No, so let's bring this home then, uh, Michael Franti. What is your definition of a real leader? Well, um, I think of someone who leads by example and someone who's willing to take risks and do what is at first unpopular in order to take people into another direction. And I also think that um, as a leader, you can't always be concerned about what people are going to say about you. But you should always be concerned about the way people feel, mm. and especially the people that are working with you. You should be concerned about how they're feeling. And um, I think that, um, you know, as as leaders in this world, which, you know, if, if you're an entrepreneur, you're and doing something new, um, you are a leader. You know, to it could be a group of you know one or two people. It could be you know thousands of people. But we have this opportunity to create um, businesses that have good built into the DNA, mm. built into the bones of the business, and and that is how really at the end of the day the. Um, the greatest effect can be had in the world. And um, if we have people who are showing up in that way and saying, hey, I'm going to design this company to be something that serves something else, in addition to being a for-profit company, then then we can, we can win. We can really move the needle. And um, uh, the other thing is we can't wait for governments. We can't wait for governments to be the ones to um, do it. They're, they're, they're traditionally um, reactive and not um, forward thinking, and so we've got to uh, we've got to really be have that kind of courage to speak up and uh, to you know keep our eyes open, keep our hearts open, keep our ears open um, to what, what are the true needs of the planet today. Powerful words there, uh, right there, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on the Realtors Podcast today. Hope you stick around for a few questions. Uh, but for Michael, Franti, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, serve a higher purpose more than yourself. And always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Michael. Right on. All right, good people. 
Thanks for hanging on to this episode with Michael Franti. A few questions flew in down here in the chat box, Michael. Uh, and by the way, I am excited about the impact organizations that are coming uh, to fruition and come to the table. And you're right about that. The D, it's built into the TNA. It's the intention of those leaders that's really what is making a difference. And people, especially young organizations and young leaders, are recognizing that. Now, I'm going to go with the first upvote, probably one from, from one of your biggest fans uh, that I know personally. Amy Gernrich asks, so glad you are here. What is the most important message you want to communicate with your music by the way my email signature the purpose is the purpose of life is to live a life full of purpose by michael Fronte. once a day yeah. once a day hashtag do it for the love so question is what is the most important message you want to communicate with your music uh, to be your authentic self um and as you mentioned you know the purpose of life is to live a life full of purpose and to find ways to serve that which is greater than yourself. But I believe that you can only do that when you are your authentic self. And that um, so much of my life has been trying to spent trying to fit into molds that I just didn't fit into and not showing up as my authentic self. And um, and when I and I and it's something I, you know, all of us struggle with every day. Um, but when I do feel like I hit that sweet spot of just being me is when I'm able to speak truth to power. It's when I'm able to share an opinion about something that makes someone go, Hmm, I never thought about it in that way. Or it's when I'm able to bring a smile to someone's face. Um, or it's when I'm able to, I'm just able to cry because something really hurts me. And then somebody else goes, it really hurts me too. (laughs) imagine that. And then, and then we go, well, Matt, well, now here's this opportunity for us to to connect in this way to um, find these things that that need healing in the world. And, 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 and it starts with ourselves. So um, that's my message is to be your authentic self and then to be able to see the authenticity in others. And that's what it means to stay human um, uh, is to be able to see that. I'm this imperfect being living this imperfect life and I'm trying my best to, to show up the best ways that I can. And I see you doing the same thing. Powerful and, and strong connections too. you know, authentic connections, being yourself, being real, sharing those emotional things that are going on in your life. I mean, I, I mean, those are the strongest connections one can make. Uh, folks, also, I'm going to ask this next question from Trisha. If you want to say something in the chat box, let us know. If you want to appear on the screen, I can call you on. We can have one, let's say one guest today. Michael, you know, he's he's the uh, former bar balancer. He loves talking to people after the show. We're going to return the favor here and pay it forward. So if you want to come on the screen, just type a little chat and just let us know uh, if you want to come on. But next question, Michael, is from Trisha. And she asks, I like this one. Uh, Michael, what values and beliefs from you and Sarah do you feel strongly about passing on to your children? One of them is that there's no one that you wouldn't love if you knew their story, there's no one that you wouldn't love if you knew their story. And, um, there are so many people in the world that I see that people that at first I'm like, I could never be friends with that person. Right. And then I sit down and have a conversation with them and I hear where they're from and I hear their struggles that they've gone through and I hear what their family life is like and I hear the, the work that their parents did. And, about, and then by the end of it, I'm like, 
man, I love you, man. I'd totally hang out with you. You're like, I, I get the way that you are and I, I see your quirks and I see um, how those formed in you. And I, I, I get it and I love it. And especially in the world today where there's so much division out there, we are so quick to put people into labels. And I mean, you know, the most obvious one are like black and white, man, woman, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, blah, 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 on and on and on. Yeah. And we pigeonhole people and then we attach this whole set of values to them. And the thing that I found as a musician is like you start playing music and it doesn't matter. All those things go away and people just start to, to dance. They high five a stranger. And so I've, I've witnessed it every single night of my life that people aren't the names that we attach to them. And when we have a chance to really go in and say, you know, what are you afraid of? What is it that turns you on? What is it that makes that moves your heart? What is it that brings you joy in your life? When we hear that in other people, we realize that, that every single person on this planet is completely unique and that any label that we attach to them, we're, we're setting up these, these, you know, limiting beliefs that we then you know, hurt each other about, we, we, we mistreat each other about, you know, all Muslims are bad. All Jews are bad. All Christians are bad. All these things that we, that we attach to them. It's like, um, we, we, we re end up hurting ourselves, um, by not living that rich life. So that's, the, that's the thing that I really want. Um, my youngest son, Tasha, you know, and I feel like my two older sons really embody it maybe even more than I do there. You know, my son, who's 21, um, he, he when he was in high school, he was telling me, like, I said something about, do you, do you guys have like a um, a gay, like, students union or something on campus? He's like, Dad, we don't even use the word gay anymore. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, that that woman, that's that woman's girlfriend. Or there's, you know, they just, they don't even, like, it's not even a thing right. to have, like, like they didn't even in, in the school he was at, they, it wasn't even a thing. And, and I was so moved by that. And, and just the way that they're connecting to um, people's story and who they are more than they are about, you know, this identification with a certain, you know, gender classification or sexuality or whatever. So, yeah. I love it. It's powerful. <laughs> and it, exactly with the whole, you know, they're not they don't use the word gay anymore. It's like, who cares? It's like you, you, you would love them if you actually knew who they were, knew their story. Uh, yeah. That's powerful advice. So, all right, we've got I know you got to fly here. So I'm going to bring on one last fan and we're going to invite them on the screen uh, and have them ask a question. Hopefully the tech works today and we'll send you off. And uh, if you want to. What's up, Chris, by the way, I want to say hi to Chris Cub. I want to say hi. Chris hey, Cub. how's it going? Hello. Oh, my goodness. Um. Wow, I'm so excited to speak with you. And I want to just tell you, like, I truly admire the work that you do. Um, and, you know, Real Leaders is really big on impact. And I can attest to the impact of your music in my own life. Um, yeah, totally. And the question that I have for you is, what's your advice for those out there that uh, have big dreams and also want to make an impact? Mm. Start small, think big. Um, start small, think big. You know, just uh, really 
dream. You know, one of the things that I did before I started Soul Shine Hotel was I sat down and I made a five-year plan. And it was like, my friend challenged me. He's like, if you could have everything that you ever wanted to achieve in five years, what would it be? And he said, he, he, he put it to me like this. He said, if I gave you $10 million and you could do anything you wanted with it and there was no strings attached and you knew it couldn't fail, you knew it couldn't fail, what would you do? And so that was the framework of like saying, oh, well, I want to do this this with my music career. I want to do this with my activism. I want to start this nonprofit. I want to um, open a, a hotel that's dedicated to wellness. And, and I just, I, I, I wanted to write a book and I wanted to make a movie and I, and all these things that I wrote down, they all um, were put into categories, A, B, and C. And they weren't, it wasn't which are the most important. It's which, which was the most imminent. For example, if I wanted to be like, um, more successful at music, I had to practice my guitar more. So that, if guitar practice went to the A category, you know, and 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 so on and so forth. Like, and then from that, I was able to start to look at, well, if if these things are most imminent, if like practicing guitar is more imminent than you know becoming a yoga teacher, which is kind of hmm. one of the things I do, but was further down the line for me then I could do those things. So it was like breaking it down into small pieces that I could bite off and that I could handle and then creating partnerships with other people that could help me to get to where I wanted to go and collaborating with people. Um, and so that's what I mean by start small, think big. It's like create your dream and write out like, here's all like the most wild thing that I want to achieve. You don't have to go like sharing it on social media or, you know, you just have it for yourself and you have it to refer to, but it's important to write it down and then break it down into little bites that you can achieve. And so for us, like building a hotel, it's like, I'm not going to build like a multi-million dollar hotel, but I could build five rooms. And so we did. And eventually we built it up. Now we have 32 rooms and we have two restaurants here and you know, multiple yoga rooms. And, and so it was like, we had a vision for it for the future, but we started with something that we could, we could bite off and then um, we partnered with people that were really cool that could, could help to get it to where it was, where it is now. So that's it. Start small, think big. That's awesome. I love that so much. Um, and I'm so excited to catch you at your next tour whenever that happens. Uh, I can't wait. It's one of the things we need. Um, we miss more than anything else. We'll, we'll be doing our next online live stream on um, uh, the, the Saturday night before Valentine's Day. So that's the February 13th. So come come join us on the live stream and rock out. Awesome. Yes. I'll definitely keep up with everything you're doing and just keep up all your great. Thank Thanks, you. you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Malin. I'm going to close you out here real quick. All right, everyone. Michael, appreciate you coming on the Real Ears podcast, my friend. Everything that you do, wise words all around today. Folks, if you want to listen to this episode again, hit that link in that chat box. It's just the Real Ears podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and this episode will be released, folks, on Sunday. You can find it on Sunday. Michael, any last words about where people can find more information about you or um, Shine Bali? 
michaelfronti.com or go to soulshinebali.com and we're doing a real leaders conference here next um, March so um, it's going to be an awesome event bringing real leaders from around the world here to to be inspired to be together and to um, uh, get the reset button on life but also just engage with one another and find new ways that they can uh, serve planet through their entrepreneurship Love it. Well, when uh, our founders come out there to visit you, I'm going to ask them if Michael has visited Mount Batur yet. And hopefully right. it's going to be a yes. <laughs> All right, Michael. Hey, appreciate you coming on. Thanks for your time. Have a great rest of your day. And always, folks, keep it real. All Thanks, right. Michael. Thanks, you guys. And thank you, good people, for hanging on to this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast with Michael Franti. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And folks, right there, you got a little glimpse of what it's like to attend the Real Leaders Podcast live on Crowdcast. That's right. You can ask our guests questions or even come on screen after the show is over. So if you want to attend our next episode, whether it's with Seth Goldman coming up here on Tuesday or Melanie Del Becco later in the month of February 2021, you can come on live. All you got to do is go online to realleaders.com slash podcast and RSVP for an upcoming episode with another real leader. Also, folks, if you haven't yet left a review, let us know how we're doing and how we can improve the show. All you got to do is on Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way to the bottom and rate and review this show. Or if you want to send me an email personally, I read all of them send it to be at real That's B E at real That's it for me. Thanks for being a real leader and always keep it real.